This episode of the podcast brought to you by the Wayland Utani Corporation. Today, we're talking about the fans of the Alien franchise. My name is Nick G, and welcome back to Phanthropological. Thank you for downloading, listening to, or possibly watching this episode if you're uh, joining us here on Twitch. Um, And today we're going to be talking about the Alien franchise. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I want to believe. And Nick Z. I don't know how long I'm going to last with this podcast. I got this this rumbling in my stomach. This feels like something's trying to break out. Uh, moving on from that, a uh, special guest uh, we have on the podcast today, the co-host of the Perfect Organism podcast, we have Jamie. Jamie, thank you for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to get us started with a little bit of background on Alien, in case people listening to the podcast have somehow never heard of the Alien franchise. Sounds good. Quick little bit from Wikipedia. Alien is a science fiction horror media franchise centered on the film series depicting warrant officer Ellen Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, and her battles with an extraterrestrial life form commonly referred to as the alien. Produced and distributed by 20th Century Fox, the series began with Alien, released in 1979, directed by Ridley Scott. It was followed by three sequels, Aliens, released in 1986, Alien Cubed, Alien 3, I'm not sure, it has a cube symbol, so I'm going with that, released in 1992, and Alien Resurrection, released in 1997, which were directed by James Cameron, David Fincher, and Jean-Pierre Jeunet, respectively. Scott also directed a prequel series composed of Prometheus, released in 2012, and Alien Covenant, released in 2017. The series has led to numerous books, comics, and video game spin-offs. The Alien vs. Predator franchise combines the continuities of the Alien franchise with the Predator franchise and consists of two films as well as varying series of comics, books, and video games. A video game called Alien Isolation was released in 2014 to generally positive reviews. That is a really concise way of, of putting the franchise, but as was mentioned, several movies that are all hours long. There's only really three movies. <laughs> There's only the the, uh, the new the new three, right? Uh, Prometheus, Alien yeah. Covenant, and the one that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Do not acknowledge uh, Resurrection and Beyond. <laughs> what I find interesting is that that each movie is directed by a different person. Like it's not it's not like a trilogy or a or a series in the same way that you do it now. Because mm-hmm. it's like Ridley Scott and then James Cameron and then David Fincher and then Jean Pierre Jeunet and then. I don't know who directed Prometheus. Maybe one of them came back. Ridley Scott, even Ridley Scott directed Prometheus and Alien Covenant, but they still feel like they're directed by two different people. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. One thing that I found interesting, I I dug up some search data. The movie series is going on since 1979. Google search data only goes back to 2004, so it's a little bit limited. But what I found interesting is most of the fandoms that we look at, they are searched for less over time. Whether or not they're more or less popular, people are looking for it less. And for Alien, interest in the series has been pretty constant. That could be bolstered by the fact that every three or four years there's some really cool Alien-related news. But even in those periods where there's not Alien stuff coming out, it's, it seems like there's always interest in that. And I was wondering, Jamie, do, like, what is it about Alien fans that keep them looking up, up more? Because that's, that's a very different pattern than we've seen in other fandoms. Yeah, it's very interesting because um, really we haven't 
had a film that we've all agreed upon since 1986. <laughs> That's three. Now, Alien 3 has come around for fans. A lot of people, even if they they don't like where the story went, they'll say it was a really good film. I just don't like it. I just, you know, they don't like what they did with Ripley. They don't like what they did with Hicks and Newt. But I think it's just hope that's keeping it alive. And then we find out about, you know, you have Prometheus, which got everybody excited. And then everybody took uh, collective <laughs> afterwards because it was not very good. And then you have Alien Covenant, which was a better film marginally, a little bit better writing, not as pretty. <laughs> Morph, it just went way fast, although Prometheus went really fast. And so there's this hope that we will finally get something that we can all love together. Now, that's to please everyone's a very difficult thing, but I think it's just. And then we had Neil Blomkamp announcing his his plans for a film in 2015, which got everybody excited, which was the impetus for me starting my podcast, Perfect Organism. Also, you have Fox through their official page always engaging with fans every alien day, which is April 26th. They're always doing something every week. And then there's the rumor of uh, a series uh, surrounded, like taking place in the, in the, uh, in the universe of aliens, not so much with those characters, but in the universe universe of aliens. And it's pretty legit. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, I, I actually know what studio is doing it, um, but it hasn't been formally announced yet. Um, so there's this idea of hope and we're always just, we're all, hoping that we'll get a good product. I mean, it's almost like at the same time though, it's like you're beating your head against a brick wall, hoping for a different <laughs> result because you have the same studio behind these films, essentially kind of shitting on them for since, even though I think alien three is a masterpiece and it's my favorite. It really was a product of studio meddling. So there's my long answer to that question. I would watch the crap out of a Neil Blomkamp alien movie. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> So what is the general feeling on the on the Alien versus Predator movies? Do they people like them or do they not even rate them within No, the- they they're never even discussed really. Now, there what is discussed is what could be, how they could be interesting. There's a general consensus okay. that the original Alien versus Predator film is much better than the Requiem. I would agree. They're both dog <laughs> shit. Um uh, <laughs> Alien I I just tried to watch Alien versus Predator Requiem recently for the effects and the creatures and because it's, there's a queen in it. I couldn't even get through it. I mean, the effects were pretty bad too, just because they had a re- very limited budget. They're essentially just retelling moments of prior films um, where you had like a woman who looked like Sigourney Weaver with a little girl. She's her hair's all wet and she's getting in some type of vehicle load or something. Um, interesting ideas, but again, nothing really unique. Um, so they essentially don't exist. Really? Mm. People don't. People don't even discuss it. They discuss, they might discuss the comics or man, they could do it really well, you know? Yeah. But yeah, misfire there. So there's, there's no sort of shared universe between say aliens and predators within kind of, I guess the fan canon. Well, they would believe that the AVP films are their own universe. Okay. They're not shared by the, um, the first canonical three films for, mm-hmm. or, or Prometheus or Covenant. Okay. I would agree with that assessment. I think even Fox unofficially, officially said they're not part of alien canon. I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of the Freddy versus Jason of the, of the movie franchise. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even when that, before the first one was being made, Ridley Scott and James Cameron had agreed to sit down and write a fifth alien film. Ridley Scott was going to direct. James Cameron was going to write. And then Fox decided to go with AVP. I don't, they probably didn't want to pay the fees to these, 
juggernauts of cinema. So they wanted to go cheaper with a bigger profit. And, you know, Sigourney Weaver was very uh, critical about that decision. And we could have had a really good continuation, a really solid footing, but we just, we never got it. Those movies make buckets of money. No. Oh, no, (laughs) no. Then Uh, what? (laughs) The most profitable alien film has been Prometheus. Prometheus made $426 million worldwide, um, which is more than Solo, a Star Wars story, if you can believe it. I can Um, can believe that. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the most profitable film has been Prometheus. Now, adjusted dollars, uh, to use a line from Aliens, um, Aliens has been the most successful. Alien and Aliens. Uh, Just because of the time, Aliens, I think, made $86 million dollars. Domestic, which was huge in 1986, yeah, or $83 million domestic. Um, and then it made a bunch of, bunch of money overseas. And then Alien was made for $11 million and made like, I don't know, like, I think close to $100 million when it was done. I have the figure right here. Uh, $104,931,801. Wow. <laughs> so I got a good return on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think of like AVP is just like, oh, it's like, it's like Transformers or whatever, right? It's like a popcorn movie, but I'm, mm-hmm. it's, it's a shame they're doing that. Or maybe it's not a shame they're not doing better. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think the problem with these films, with the AVP films, is that Alien, the Alien series has been about character. It's about Ripley or it's about kind of the human spirit and what's going on and mm-hmm. how we deal with darkness and how we deal with being in closed spaces and dealing with ourselves and the idea of there's kind of other layers like space rape and like body dysmorphia and body uh, disfiguration. So aliens got a lot going on in terms of its layers. That's how alien works. Predator doesn't work that way. Predator is kind of a creature feature. So they've matched up this. It was never really about the alien. It was about how we acted within that space. Certainly. Yes, it is a creature feature, but it's a thinking man, science fiction film. Predator's never been a thinking man science fiction film. So you get the thinking man science fiction film, you get Predator, you match them up, they're not going to work. They just, they're not. No. I go to see alien movies for characters. I haven't seen a character since 1992. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> okay, so I'm going I'm to take us into a bit of a, a deep cut, I guess, and I'm going to ask Jamie, you are obviously a very passionate fan of the alien movies, of the comics, of the of all of that good work what is it that got you into alien in the first place oh boy like what was it you you saw something something happened and you were just like i love this i'm hooked i'm i can't get out of this how do i answer that question um i know how to answer the question so i had a really rough kid rough childhood really 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 rough and um uh during this really rough period i met ripley in 1987 when Aliens was um, broadcast over Fox, um, and I was uh, 11 years old, and it was edited, of course. Um, and then I met a Ripley again in, 20, in 1992 when I was 16, um, and I was in the darkest part of my life at that point. And she was a prisoner, and I felt like I was a prisoner. I grew up very religious. Um, it's a whole other story for a whole other time. Um, and uh, Ripley and the fact that she was kind of a whistleblower and she was battling a darkness and uh, something had happened to her, but people wouldn't believe her. I felt a lot. In co- I felt a lot in common with that. I felt like she was like my space mom. I feel like I 
only survived my childhood because of Ellen Ripley. That's the truth. And those movies were speaking to me in a way that I wasn't understanding. As of course, as I got older, it changed and I just became a fan of character. I became a fan of what the, the, the study of humanity in a closed environment and what that might be like and how we would deal with that and how different people deal with that. And I think the original alien film um, is essentially like the forbidden planet. It's, it's about wonder. It's about discovery. It's about horror. It's about who are we really? And who are we when we are faced with our death? Um, so that's kind of how the, the films have grown with me. And I think the qu- interesting question about the question that you asked me is that's the way I engage aliens, the alien series as a kid, teenager. So I don't know how I engage it now because we've had four films since, well, three resurrection covenant Prometheus. Um, I mean, really, cause AVP, they're their own thing. Um, and I struggle to actually figure out, I'm not a fan of those movies. So it's like I my even with my podcast, like we're we're doing a four a ten part series on aliens right now, and because we want to talk about something that brings us joy, so I don't really. There are some great things in Prometheus, the the engineers, the, the artistry, the way it was shot, it was gorgeous. Great things in Covenant, the back bursting, the throat bursting, Ferris, that character who eventually is exploded in the, the dropship. Great character, great some great build up. That's all that I can really say about those movies, and it's kind of unfortunate because I'm such a big fan, and I want to love something. It's hard when you want to love something and you can't. I get that. It's Doctor Who every other week. (laughs) 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 One of the things that um, kept coming up is that the alien movies, as as you even even said, the alien movies encompass a lot. There's a lot of questions in there. There's a lot of themes in there. There's also a lot of like different styles and and genres in there. And I was wondering, did your love of the alien movies lead you into any particular one of those? Like, did you get more into horror or more into sci-fi because of, because of watching the movies? Oh yeah, definitely more into sci-fi. Like sci-fi is by far my favorite genre. I do like fantasy, but it's hard to have good fantasy. I mean, you have some great fantasy films over the course of the years, like the Lord of the Rings series, the original Lord of the Rings series. Um, Maybe like, Dark Crystal, The Neverending Story, which might, might even be marginal if that's really a good film. It's a good film when I was 10. I don't know if it's a good film now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, but what I love about science fiction is that it's like, it's, it's for thinking people. It's science fiction asks big questions. It doesn't answer them. That's why I love it. Like I was always a fan growing up of, of the X-Files and Mulder and Scully and they push the boundaries. And that's certainly science fiction and them asking big, tough questions. Where do we belong? What is truth? What isn't truth? Um, and what that even means. And I love that science fiction says, just says, keep going, keep going, keep pushing. I mean, I'm a Trek fan to some degree. Trekkies a little bit more sanitized. It's just kind of like, yeah, for people who don't want to want to do too much thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the new track, the new Star Trek Discovery, that is good sci-fi. I'm on board. But I'm a big fan of like Battlestar Galactica, the one that was on in the, the early 2000s. I thought it was the best show on TV. Dune, the Dune, you know, even Lynch's original Dune. I just, I love science fiction. Unfortunately, it's hard to find really good sci-fi. But I think with the advent of Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and like The Expanse and we're seeing all these shows, there's some really good sci-fi on today. So, um, and like films like Annihilation, um, Ex Machina. I mean, so many great films. Interstellar. I mean, so many really well-made 
you know, Christopher Nolan really is kind of the father of sci-fi right now. You know, he can do it really well. Um, so it's kind of where I'm at right now. The movie that launched this podcast. <laughs> Interstellar. Interstellar. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, it's a masterpiece. That is, uh, that's how it all started. It's interesting that you bring up the emphasis on science science fiction in Alien and, and your, your love of science fiction being sparked by that. Um, I think part of the reason that we don't see as much of that thinking science fiction today is because the the problems that we have today may be very different than the themes that that are like brought up in the original alien like in in the original alien one of the the problems is like oh can we trust this technology we're on this giant space freighter and you know it's told us to stop because we found this beacon so there's yes the sense of wonder but it's like mother the the ship's computer is telling me to do things i don't understand why but it's the computer and it knows what's best for me right and it's interesting because we have those kinds of problems today and those kinds of thinking things today, but it's almost like before we had all this technology today, we were thinking about those problems like 30 or 40 years ago. And as a result, science fiction already had a big playground to think about those things. Yeah. And you're saying that that's why it's not as successful. You think? No, no, I, I like, I, I wouldn't say that. I don't think that has anything to do with the success. I think that, um, that's kind of like an interesting commentary on like movies today and science fiction today that, that it's almost like, well, we've already explored all these concepts, so we're not going to, we've got nowhere left to go, which is definitely not true. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I also think science fiction, really good science fiction isn't very profitable. I think uh, like you have avatar is really profitable because it's kind of, it's a very simple story and it's told brilliantly. I think it's a brilliant movie, but it's not so much a great story because we've seen it before, but it sells because it's people can kind of engage in those simple stories. Whereas the more heady ex machina annihilation, they're never going to be blockbusters. Science fiction is not, unless you're star Wars, which is more like science fantasy, which I love. I mean, I, you know, I, my first memory of being alive is seeing empire strikes back in the theater. Um, um, and then return of the Jedi when I was seven. Um, but, those appeal to uh, a sense of heroism and jur- the journey, the hero's journey, S- more things that I think the common man or the, you know, the, the blue collar men and women and children, they can connect with. You sit them down in front of Annihilation, it'll end and they'll be like, okay, I don't like that, you know, but they weren't really, w- couldn't tell you why. Like Under the Skin, have you guys seen Under the Skin? Scarlett Johansson, it is will blow your mind. It's very quiet. She plays this. It's a science fiction. I won't really get into it, but it's not for everyone, but it's brilliant. One of the best science fiction films ever made, but it didn't make any money because who's going to go see a a two hour science fiction film where Scarlett Johansson doesn't do much talking. No one does much talking and it's mostly imagery. You know, it's a tough thing. What do you think that says about like the future of the alien franchise? Because you know, the first movie is very much uh, so, like survival horror, science fiction. The second one, more action-oriented. Third one is more drama-oriented. Fourth one has a little bit more comedy. And then you have like mystery and, and so on. But um, if there's not a market for, you know, that, that thinking kind of science fiction and the Alien movie has its roots in that, where does it go? Well, see, here's the, here's the interesting uh, answer to that question, I, I, I believe. Alien was successful with Alien and Aliens. There was something, especially Aliens, something people was, was holding on to. Aliens really has a sense of family and camaraderie. Everyone's there. Even though everyone is different, you have Vasquez, you have Drake, you have 
Hudson, you have Gorman, you know, who's kind of a newbie, who's not incompetent, but there were still a family. There were still this, like, we're still together. The only real enemy, the only real alien in that group was Burke because his reason, his, he was more of a threat to them than the aliens were um, because Burke didn't want to just kill them. He wanted to profit off of them. Aliens just want to kill them really, or assimilate them into, you know, an egg or whatever. Um, and so I feel like those, the, the idea that there are so many movies out there that people that do really, really well financially that deal with friendship and everyone together, like it, I mean, it is a, the story of, of, um, all these kids who are friends and we all can relate to that, you know, even though it's a, it's a clown and it's crazy things that would never happen in real life. You know what I mean? In terms of the sci-fi portion of that, we all can relate to being a kid. I think we all can relate to being, to working at a job that maybe we don't like or working hours we don't like, or, and we can all relate to being in a situation where we don't know what to do. Or maybe there's a, a company that, you know, I, I worked for Starbucks for many, many years and I was a whistleblower for Starbucks. I went on CNN talking about Starbucks. Um, so I was kind of almost in that Ripley role a little bit, you know, where I was calling them out on certain things. Um, and I think people can relate to that. That's what these films are about. The problem with the prequels is that it's not what these films are about anymore. They're about ideas. And where are we from? Alien films are not about that. They've never been about that. Not to say that those ideas aren't interesting, but if they're, if they're now my partner, Patrick, he would completely disagree with me. Um, uh, but uh, which is what I love about him because we have some great conversations as you've heard. Um, but I, I really think if they can get back to the bones of finding out that this is about humans uh, banding together um, to fight a common enemy that, you know, I, and I even think like, for instance, 2000, uh, I'm sorry, um, 9-11 in America, certainly around the world, but this horrible thing happened and everybody came together, you know? And I think that's what aliens is about horrible, cert specifically aliens, Certainly Alien 2, Alien, the original, and Alien 3. They're, you know, in Alien 3, you have Ripley. Ripley was the threat in, aliens, in Alien 3. She was the alien. She was a threat to their spiritual life. She was a threat to their, like, sexual health. She was a threat, well, I mean, sexual health, like, spiritual sexual health, like, they're, they were monks or whatever. She became that creature in their midst in some ways. But then they discovered the real threat and they all banded together. And this woman who was the enemy who they almost raped then became their leader. Um, and I think uh, at its heart, if alien can tell a story where everyone is kind of rallying around each other and saying, Hey, you know what, despite who we are, despite you being, maybe you're a higher up in the company or you're, a woman or you're black or you're gay or whatever, they can all come together and say, this is our common enemy and we're going to fight this together. These movies, these movies aren't like that anymore. And I think that's why they have a hard time connecting with people and then the movies, they don't know what they want to be. So I think if they can get back to that center, this is obviously my opinion, but I want to see someone prove my opinion wrong. You know, they've gotten this movie wrong since arguably 1992. Um, even though I think it's a masterpiece of a film, um, why does everybody go back to aliens? Why does everyone talk about that movie? What is it about that movie that people love so much? Everyone feels like family in that movie. That's why, you know, when you were mentioning like Prometheus, not being sure what it wants to be as that's probably the, that comment resonates a lot with me. When I saw the movie for the first time in the theater, I was like, Oh, this looks so good. But then there were all these scenes and they didn't necessarily fit together. Um, but then I was listening to your podcast the other day and uh, you were talking about alien covenant and I, completely forgot that it had been released and I haven't seen it yet. 
and uh, another you you were talking about the podcast about toxic fandom and and you know how similarly to an aliens how you need to have these people coming together and i was like well maybe i should give it a shot even though i didn't hear too much about it and then i talked about it with a friend and they were like you should it's, it was really good so now now i have to rethink my thoughts on on prometheus and alien covenant and, and maybe revisit them a lot of the series as you said is is um people face, facing themselves you know how do we act react in dire situations and how people come together with the threat do you think the specific um because because the point of the alien is to be like the other than the not human and like the threat do you think the the specific design and the fact that it's the same alien species that they encounter time after time in the franchise is a strength i would say that's a difficult question because i think it could be a strength if it's presented well if it's not presented the same way over and over I think we're seeing it presented the same way over and over. I think uh, the brilliance of Alien and Aliens is you never knew where this thing was. And certainly Alien 3. Um, but, you know, to, I, I give Ridley Scott some grief on this comment that he makes about the, 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 the beast being worn out. I think there's some credence to that. But the only thing that's worn out about is how it's being presented. Um, if you want to make something scary, like how many times have we seen like jump scares in movies? But you can do a really good jump scare, can't you? You know, you can really, you can have you, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, it comes at night. Um, yeah. oh, oh, it's with uh, Joel Edgerton. Um, it's kind of apocalyptic, but you don't really know okay. what's going on, but it's really essentially around a house and these two families and it's called, it comes at night and they board their house up at night and you never know what's out there. And hmm. that's how you make the alien scary. Does it like, and I, I've, I still see images of the alien every day. I'm like. That is scary. Like I've seen iterations of this beast that freaks me out, you know, and I've seen many iterations of it. So it's all in the way you present it. And I think a lot of times when these films are made, they think, how can we redo this creature? You don't need to redo it. If the movies, if, if the writing is good, you don't need to redo it. If the characters are well, you know, or, or, or well-written um, the, the alien works as a device to kind of represent something else. And I think that um, it's, if they keep doing it the way that they're doing it, it isn't a strength. That's my answer. Not so much a, this would be a cool thing to have fight the predator. <laughs> sort of attitude. Yeah, that's, that's just so divisive. And then you see it and then like, what's after that? You know, now you got to up the ante. Now it's got to be a super predator. He's got to be nine feet tall. Because <laughs> in the first couple of movies, it felt like they were using the fact that they don't know about them to, to mm -hmm. keep it interesting. Like they kept introducing new basically twists of the biology alien that, mm -hmm. that the, the team didn't know. Yeah. In the first movie, you know, one of, one of the scenes that sticks out to me aside from like the first chest burster scene is you have one of the people running around in the ducts and they have the, the little scanner and it's like, Oh, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. It's building up the suspense. And it, it's not scary when, I mean, it's scary when you see the alien, but the alien itself isn't scary when it, eventually shows up it's that you know it's coming you just don't know when yeah or where where or, is it or where yeah uh, like and at the end of that film it, it like oh that just looks like part of the ship and then you realize that that's not part of the ship that's the alien <laughs> got all these uh geiger geigerian i guess that's how you'd pronounce it designs hr geiger he did the cover for Everson Lincoln Palmer's Brain Salad Surgery, and that's the only non-alien place <laughs> I have seen his artwork but, uh, in any 
in any number of dimensions a terrifying uh, design. Indeed. Maybe because it doesn't have eyes. It doesn't have eyes. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Well, I think one iteration it did have eyes, um, but then when he got to the final version, it didn't. I'm thinking of Alien Resurrection, where it has the weird eye sockets, but not yeah. eyes. Yeah. And then makes sounds Ooh. like a cat. Ooh. <laughs> meow. Yeah, I guess it did. I guess it did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I, I know we've talked about a little bit of contention between like the, the original three, the original four, uh, and, and the prequels. <laughs> I'm wondering, what are some of the other things that are really contentious in the fandom. Often we talk about like, you know, there, there can be pairings between characters that I imagine that's a little less common in um, the alien universe, but often there are things that from the outside, we, we don't know what, what fans are really big on. What are some of the things in the alien fandom that are, there's a lot of debate over. So my answer would be the most contentious thing is, or has been, which is what we try and steer away from, or not steer away from the debate on the the goodness or lack of goodness in the prequels. And I think it's it's divided people. It's certainly divided me. Like I, I'm just I'm not a fan. And I think some people there were other groups started because people felt like they couldn't say I love Prometheus um without being attacked by gatekeepers who only love the canonical three. Now I don't like the prequels. There are things about them that I like. I have a very nuanced opinion. I'm not a black or white kind of guy. I've never have been. Most people are a lot. I, I like it. I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Because of this. There are things that I absolutely loathe about Prometheus. I can't watch the film with the sound on, but I love the engineers. I love it's beautiful to look at. The design is gorgeous. It's Ridley Scott top notch at the top of his game. Um, it's I haven't seen images like that from him since maybe Blade Runner. Um, which is those two films are another top two sci-fi films. Um, but the script is horrible. The script is awful. And there's no one in there who's real compared to the, these characters that came before them. Even in alien three, you might not have liked the characters, but they felt real. They felt like real people. Um, and so really that contention, and it's so contentious right now among fans that people don't talk about it publicly. Um, um, because it, all of 2017 was just this reaction, mostly from fans, which was negative. I mean, really, in my opinion, Covenant tanked in the theater because fandom was like, this is horrible. And then 80% dropped the next week. Um, and I was one of them. I mean, I have the only alien podcast there is. And I and we, Patrick was not quite my partner at that point, but my former partner at that point, um, we were like, yeah, there's some certain things, certain certainly some good things, but it's like he didn't even want to make this movie and he made it. So you have the number one po- alien podcast saying that, and all these people who are listening, and then like uh, there's this uh, there's this um, group called the Wayland Utani Bulletin, which I used to be a part of when I'm not anymore, but they're the biggest alien group on Facebook, and most everyone in there didn't like it either. Um, I mean, you do have probably about 29, 30 percent of fans who do really enjoy it, but they say they'll like it. They don't love it. And even the people who really do love it will say to you, I love it. But yes, there are some big problems in this film. I'm not the type of person who can say, okay, well I can take this. I either, you you either sell me on a film or you don't. And usually it's the ending. Like, I mean, there, we had, we had a miracle of a film, which was Blade Runner 2049, which is the best, one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Um, And I I hold the original you know, on a pedestal in a castle in a cloud somewhere, you know, and 
2049 has breached that. Um, that's how great of a, of a whoa! And it, would, it would be great to see alien fandom kind of gather around again and find some commonality in a film that they love. And if they do a series, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that will happen. Certainly, if it involves Marines. Based on on how divisive uh, Prometheus and um, Covenant have been, do you kind of get the sense that the fandom as a whole is sort of split between people who are uh, more interested in in character and people who are more interested in um, Ridley Scott or whoever sort of developing the story or the ideas of the, um, the alien creature? A little bit, a little bit. I think a lot of the conversations that we have right now is, oh, I love Covenant. I said, and a lot of people, including me, will say, but there's nobody to believe in. And they'll say, yeah, but I like David or Walter, but they'll kind of concede that. But it's about ideas. Um, the alien films aren't about ideas. They're, a, they're a, Or if they are, they're about ideas that are in lockstep with its characters. The characters represent those ideas. Um, so there is a kind of a, a back and forth and some friction between like, it's a film that doesn't really know what it's about. Both of them. I mean, they're first in Covenant. Have you both seen... You gentlemen down below, have you guys seen Covenant? I haven't seen Covenant. I've only seen okay. Prometheus. Yes, I have. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, you should see Covenant, and then we could talk about it. Um, Covenant starts off like, okay, it has me. The first hour had me. This is kind of a legit alien film, even though it was kind of a Force Awakens reboot of Alien. You can't even get around it. They're rebooting Alien and Covenant. That's what they're doing. Some of the same beats. The alien gets blown out the airlock at the end of Covenant. You have someone injected out of an airlock just like aliens because they're dead. I mean, it is an alien reboot. Um, but then the le- the next hour, it's like, Oh, so we're stepping away from Alien Reboot, and now we're Star Trek, or we are Blade Runner. Um, and it just falls apart. It just really, really falls apart. And so it's kind of like, it's frustrating. It's really, I mean, I left the theater. I was, I was, I blew a gasket. I was how angry I was at the end of that movie. <laughs> I know there have been many, many, many Alien video games, and only some of them are good. But uh, have you had the chance to play Alien Isolation? I'm not a gamer, but I have played a little bit of isolation. My best friend, Dan, um, has huge 4k screen. I was playing it a few weeks back up in San Francisco. Um, and yeah, it's very, very good game. I mean, it's, it's really, they, I mean, if they could make a movie, uh, using the way that they built that game, we'd have a great movie. No, I was curious because, um, whether or not you like what I think it was Ebert. Who's like, you know, video games aren't art. Um, but you have this you have this alien idea you have the original three movies and you know those are those are movies and they give you one particular type of experience because they can tell a story in a particular way uh but as soon as you take that concept and turn it into a game you have something that's different because now instead of there being actors on a screen telling you something you are now part of part of that and i was just wondering how that changes the experience of being a fan of of the alien series the only way that I can answer that again, not being a huge gamer, I'm just a movie guy. I've always been just a movie guy. I don't have the I don't have the attention span to play games all the time. I will say that Alien Isolation, which is the biggest, most successful game, I would say ninety eight percent of fans love it. They gather around Isolation the way they gather around Aliens, the way they would gather around Alien. Um, that it's probably the best Alien product to have been released since nineteen eighty six. 
Um, and it's uh, even though it's some of the same things where it's Amanda Ripley, it's 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 her daughter searching for her during 57 years that she's gone. I'm sure I don't know if you guys I'm sure you're familiar. Um, and she's a little bit of a cipher. It's it's Ripley, but it isn't Ripley. It's her daughter. And she's on a ship that looks like the Nostromo. So it's, the setup is great. The world building is great. And as a game, it's scary. You don't know where this thing is. You don't know if it's in the airlock with you. You don't know if it's across the, th- I mean, it's scary. I couldn't play it for very long. Um, it's great. You know, as a game and you're involved in it, those tropes work. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also a little bit like, I do a little bit of gaming, but I'm like, I'm a little bit terrified to try this um, <laughs> because I've, I've watched some people play it. And I'm like, mm, this, no, I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like that even though there's, you know, a lot of dispute about the more recent films, that there's still a lot of hope and a lot of goodwill. Yes. That, that when one comes along, everyone will just like kind of cheer and, and throw their hands in the air. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of, yes, there is a lot of hope. And I think the, the goodwill portion is um, something that we're working on. I think that there's, okay. in, in all fandom, there's gatekeepers, people who think this is how it should be. And that's that. I've struggled with that sometimes myself, certainly feeling connection to Ripley and feeling like you don't have Ripley. Not that I need to see her again, but you're not going to introduce me a character that's as strong as her in their own way. What are you going to show me? So it's, and I think right now the battle or the, the, the challenge for fandom is not being gatekeepers and kind of pissing on people's love of prequels. I don't like the prequels. I don't think a lot of them are very good, but I also respect that people do like them. And I respect that there's probably, it touches them in a way, but maybe the original three did. And I think that I need, we need to honor that. And I think what happens in fandom um, and it continues to happen in certain groups is uh, this idea that we're going to shit on what you, what you, what you think, what, what you like. And we don't care because we say this, these movies are garbage. And uh, so the, the hope the hope is alive, but the rallying around, like just kind of coming a more, becoming a more inclusive. And that's kind of a, a divisive word. I know people don't like it, but it's just the word that you need becoming a more inclusive fan base. Really come. We're trying to, to honor, say, Hey, we can all be fans and agree on different, agree or disagree and not make it. People feel like they're stupid because they like something that you think is not very good. And I think that's a problem that goes on on social media anyways, where it's so polarized social media, you know, you have not even, you just have people who are cowards and they get on and they spew horrible things and then they leave and they don't even think about it because they don't know anybody, you know? Um, but we're really trying as a podcast to step away from that um, and really build a positive place for fans because it also, I think affects studio involvement with the fans. They're like, I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with rebel force radio, or Star Wars, and they're embroiled in a whole scandal because of things that they've said. And and I listened to Rebel Force Radio religiously for a long, 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 long time. And uh, they kind of screwed themselves, essentially. Um, and then Star Wars, the Lucasfilm was like, I don't think we want to work with you guys anymore. In fact, we don't even want you on our website anymore. You know, And we really, we have good relationships with people at Fox. Really good. I mean, they had me at their studios last year for the covenant uh, premiere. Um, I mean, they're really, really good people. Despite the fact that I think that as a studio, the people who actually make the movies need some help. The people who are implementing fan outreach are amazing people. And we want to be 
one of those podcasts where Fox is like, they're legit. They're about ex- including everyone in all voices. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, actually tying into that, because the Alien movies have come out over such a, a huge expanse of time, and like you've already sort of acknowledged to some extent, Jamie, that you know there might be people who are really into the prequels because they were their first experiences with mm-hmm. the, the Alien franchise. Um, do you think that it's such a challenge to make the fandom more inclusive because there's there's such a, a broad range of ages and sort of um, different different no, doorways people have come in through i really think i'm a believer if you make a good movie everyone's gonna love it uh, to some degree you know i mean a people a movie a movie that now alien is not blade runner blade runner works on i'm sure you guys have seen the films or at least one of them blade runner works on a bunch of different levels they're never going to be really really popular films Alien's a film that you can make really well, really well, and most people are going to love it. Um, so I don't think the difficulty isn't oh how do we get all these fans together. The difficulty is how do we give them a good product that they're going to love. And uh, they they're not Marvel. They don't have a system in place to ensure continuity and quality and scripts and what's what are these characters doing and where are they going and you don't have a Kevin Feige and you know you have a studio that's like oh let's make another alien film who do we get and that's why you have these films that are like highs and lows and lows and lows and lows and lows and then a high and maybe a low um and yeah so that the really the challenge is not us the challenge is really them um and I, and I think it's a difficult thing to make a good movie i think it's a difficult thing in this climate in a risk averse climate where studios really these days, they're only making sequels and reboots. That's all that's coming out from them. Only sequels and reboots, really. And the movies that do come out that are one-offs. I mean, maybe you'll have like, I think Baby Driver was a little bit successful, um, but they're few and far between, you know? I don't know any, I mean, look at even Disney. They're they're remaking their 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 films into live action films. Oh, because we need a live action of this same movie that we already own, you know? Um, because they're so risk averse. Um uh, but I mean, I think the alien, them remaking these alien films is also a product of being risk averse. They're trying to, and I think even alien resurrection is a product of being risk averse. They're like, let's make a movie like aliens and alien and alien. Um, and, but Marines and, 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 and all of these things in a ship and let's call them father. And they're trying to mix it all up and give people what they think they want. But I think the problem is the big disconnect is with certainly the difference between the way studios engage fans in the way streaming services engage fans streaming services are smaller they're not, they haven't been around as long and they have people running them who know what being a real person is they're not filled with millionaires and billionaires who are trying to make movies who have no sense of connection they have no sense of how man how how we connect as people who get up and go to our jobs and come home and try and figure out what's for dinner you know um, i mean that was what's brilliant about alien is they wake up what are we eating you know um, and that's such a connection. And Covenant and Prometheus, you don't really see any of that. Um, you don't see anybody being actual people. You said really, Ridley Scott directed Prometheus. I was just wondering if it was like, if it's still like somewhat, somewhat named directors or somewhat noted directors that are that are doing all the movies, or if it's um, not. Because like the first three, you have like really like three really who are directors who are really big now. Mm-hmm. Um, with Ridley, Ridley Scott, uh, James Cameron, David Fincher. And, you know, it, it feels like each of those movies is, is distinctly that director. Do you think, do you think that, um, 
like for example, a Neil Blomkamp, if you got him back in, if you if you had like more of a slightly more of an auteur type instead of a a, a workman like just putting the movie together type of thing, do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to ask. No, I understand. Like if, if they put someone that was kind of a writer director and they said, "Hey, tell your story, create your world. We're just going to support you." Um, yeah. I think that that bodes well. I think I know with Jean-Pierre Genet, they tried some something similar, even though the script was written before him. When they brought him on, they really wanted to make sure that he didn't have an ex- the same experience that David Fincher had. So they said, you can rewrite portions if you want to. Give us a new opening if you want to. Now, unfortunately, the story was written by Joss Whedon, and it was awful. Um, because oh, really? Not, I did. He's not did a good not writer. Um and uh, so Jean-Pierre Schnick could only do so many things with a story like that. He's it's beautiful. I mean, I'm a big fan of his City of Lost Children, Delicatessen, Amelie. I mean, he's his work is phenomenal. Um, he's just not a director for Alien. But I think someone like Neil Blomkamp could certainly, um, because he has so much passion and you can feel it from him. You can you look at his photos and you hear read his posts. You feel it, that this man has a story to tell. And that's what James Cameron was. That's the exact same position James Cameron was in. And um, and Alien was a, a story by Dan O'Bannon and Ron Shusset. And they worked for months and years to get that story told. Now, Walter Hill and David Geiler rewrote that story before the, Ridley Scott directed it. But these were filmmakers who were burning. They had a burning desire to tell a story. And so by the time... We saw, and also Ridley Scott was a very different kind of man back then. He was only 40, 41, 42, much younger man. Um, and he was a different point, point in his life. His kids were young. He understood what it was to be kind of like a working parent. And so you got a film that felt like that. Um, these days, everything is farmed out. Um, again, you do have Ridley Scott directing Prometheus and Covenant, same director, but this is a man who, who lines up six films to direct in a year, like a, like a, like a, uh, a production like a like a factory, um, and he's more about the business than he is about the art. Um, and I think that's and when he gets together, like, oh, let's tell another alien story. Oh, okay, why don't we get you this writer? Why don't we get you this writer over here to rewrite that after him? And then we can get this writer to come in here and rework that script. So that's how the stories are being told. So they feel disconnected because they are disconnected. They're written by three different people. And then they're directed by someone who had some ideas to put the story together. And everyone's going, yes, Ridley. Yes, Ridley. Sure, Ridley. Sure, Ridley. Okay. Oh, that's great. I'm working on a Ridley Scott alien movie. You know, I don't mean to like bag on Ridley Scott. I, I really respect him, but he's not this. He doesn't want to tell the same stories as he used to. You've said that you're not much of a gamer, Jamie, but I was wondering if you've heard any, any rumblings within the fan community any noise at all about uh the possible influence or connection that the alien franchise has with the the metroid franchise of games you know i want to say patrick is the gamer patrick no i don't know <laughs> yeah, all, I, all yeah. I know is that they have officially announced a new game that they're working on um for the alien series and that's all that i know okay i mean okay. certainly once it comes out i'm sure i'll play it because yeah. all everyone that I know will, will buy it except for me, um, but yeah, Metroid does sound familiar. I know the name, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it goes all the way back to the NES um, Nintendo game through and through. Um, basically, every every game ha- is some variation on a a an intergalactic bounty hunter set down on a planet that is 
for the most part, almost always abandoned. It's full of monsters, of course. A side-scrolling shooter, first-person shooter, <laughs> so gotta have something to shoot. Um, but they're they're very atmospheric. There's often like a heavy element of mystery. There are these uh, Chozo statues that are very reminiscent of the the space jockey from the first movie. Hmm. So like there are a lot of connections and that sort of thing. And in my research, um, because my question from last week was, what's the connection between Metroid and Alien? Since mm-hmm. so similar, um, there are many many lists of many many connections. Going between the different movies, the different games, seems like there's a lot there. And the general fan reaction when people bring it up is just like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I could too. I have to ask Patrick about that later on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mine from last week. I was I was the first one to come up with mine, and and mine is the <laughs> the most frivolous of all of them. <laughs> and I would say... <laughs> Uh, almost barely related to Alien, but the first thing I can remember is I remember looking at, at, at that box set in my dad's shelf and thinking quadrilogy is not a word. <laughs> I think I thought that too. <laughs> no or, one's a fan of tetralogy? Tetralogy is is a word. Quadrilogy is like half, half Latin. It's <laughs> Greek. I don't know why they didn't Google it, but... My actual, my actual question was: um, Is there is there a bit of a divide to be t- between um, people who prefer Alien and people who prefer Aliens, or is everyone everyone just not so much? Like um, okay. Some people think Alien. There are some people who say there's only Alien; the rest are garbage. Oh, really? People, okay, okay. Um, and I can understand that Alien is a very different movie than Aliens, and as a miracle as Aliens is as a sequel, it is also James Cameron retelling beat for beat certain elements of alien ripley Mm -hmm. with an incinerator running down a hallway you hear breathing you see your pov the alien gets sucked out the airlock i mean he stayed with that that rhythm and that sort of some of those beats and instead of ripley going back for jonesy she went back for newt you know i mean there's very similar things and then she escapes the exploding planet in a tiny ship just like she escapes the nostromo in the narcissist um uh and those are all very legitimate things but um it's such a gripping story ripley's arc and what's actually happening it diverges enough that no one even cares about those things because there is a really unique story happening there um but generally most people are like yeah aliens is my favorite but alien is my next favorite (laughs) pretty much one and one two or two and one no matter yeah yeah fair enough did we cover yours already? Implicitly, yeah. So I'd asked, what do fans think about Prometheus <laughs> and which do they dislike more Alien Resurrection or Prometheus because I had forgotten that Alien Covenant exists and then I <laughs> actually did not want to bring up that question at all because I listened to, to the episode on toxicity and fandom and I'm like, I do not want to create any divide in mm. a fandom or exacerbate any existing one because we're doing an episode <laughs> about people that love Alien and why they love yeah. it. Yeah. And like what it is that people love about it. And I was just like, nope, it's it's fine if we never get to this. And then I'm pretty sure, uh, Jamie, you you brought it up with him. <laughs> it came up pretty quick. So I'm like, nope, we're good. I don't I don't need to touch on this. Okay. Good. That's funny. Although I will say people would say Alien Resurrection is by far 
way more low than Prometheus. Prometheus people would oh, be wow. like, well, Alien Resurrection is gorgeous as well. It's really well filmed, but there's just more interesting things going on. Now, I think Alien Resurrection is a better film than both Alien Covenant and Prometheus, only because there's someone who looks like Ripley who's far more interesting to me um, in it, even though mm-hmm. I feel, think the film isn't very good. It's not even not very good. It's just terrible. Um, but I, it's Ripley, you know, it's like, and that's, but that's a weakness on my part. Me and Patrick had this discussion. I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I think inherently Covenant and Prometheus are probably better films than Resurrection. I just don't have any emotional connection to those films. I have a little bit more emotional connection because Rip, Ripley is in Alien Resurrection, even though it's not the same Ripley. And you can see her go through some things and you see her enter into that chamber where all of the, the um, clones, clones yeah. are and I actually got to see all of those models up close because i went to the studio that uh made last summer it was pretty cool um and so you see it you see you feel the history of this ripley who is she you see it in her face you see it in the clones the one on the table telling her to kill me there's some real emotion there there's more emotion in that scene than both of those movies combined for me to (laughs) covenant um and that's why i but i I will watch alien i would watch prometheus and covenant way faster than i watch resurrection no matter how much i like ripley i'm complicated what can i say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> actually that does kind of feed into another another one of my questions um i'd listened to one of the more recent episodes of uh the perfect organism um the third part in the 40 mile road or 40 miles of bad road yeah 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 um and there's there's quite a bit of discussion in that about ripley yeah and you know how the character sort of transcends gender. There's a little bit of a little bit about uh, feminism in the discussion as well. It was really really interesting. Um, what I was wondering was because Ripley looms so large over the series, over the franchise, at least I guess the sort of core three. Um, two questions. First, how important is feminism in the fandom? Is it at all, or? Um. That's an interesting question because for a lot of people that word incites anger and fear because they don't know what that yeah. means. Yeah. Um, I believe that feminism just means equality for women. Treat women the way you treat men. That's all feminine mm-hmm. feminism is. Now, some people might think feminism is like, I hate men. Men are awful. Leave the home. No kids. Single forever. Or whatever. You know, screw yeah. men. You know, like, let's say that they did something they didn't do. Like, that's the crazy kind of when people hear that word. Now, I think if you brought up that subject of feminism, if it's important in the alien films, people wouldn't know how to answer because Ripley just is equal. Ripley is the leader of the alien fandom. And she mm-hmm. is and Ripley leads all the men in every movie. She's kind of all of a sudden in aliens, she's she's ahead of, you know, she's in charge of the whole platoon. Because yeah. they can't, they're not competent enough, not because she says, I can do it better, but because they know that she can do it better. And she doesn't really assume, she just says, hey, we got to go rescue these guys and Gorman isn't responding and I just got to go and do it because that's what my integrity is telling me to do. And I think people rally behind her because her character beckons them to, not because mm-hmm. it's a woman, not because it's anything else. Even though, like we discussed in that episode, Ripley is everything that a woman can be she's a mother she cries she's scared um she doesn't know what to do sometimes she gets a little bit nervous like 
When they took Newt, she froze up a little bit. Not to say that men don't do all those things, because you see mm-hmm. Hicks doing all of the, I'm sorry, Hudson doing all of those things, freaking out, paralyzing, doesn't know what to do. He becomes the Lambert of aliens, where he's just kind of beside himself and frozen in panic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really, the there isn't really a question for the alien fan base, the fan base of the saga about feminism. It's just about good character. And if it's going to okay. be a good character, no one's going to say anything. But yeah. but they'll know. But I think at this point, though, because we've had Shaw from Prometheus and Daniels from Covenant. And Daniels from Covenant, she wasn't just a Ripley. I mean, they cut her hair short. She had a... a um, tank top? Tank top, yeah. Okay. She had yeah, a tank yeah. top on. She had a gun over her side. She looked just like Ripley. They keep offering these Ripley clones. Um, mm-hmm. And the fandom is having a problem with that, not because they have a problem with a woman in the role, but none of them are Ripley. So if you're going to offer us something good, make them something good. Now, Shaw could have been great in Covenant, but they kill her off. So you never see her again. Um, and then Daniels is kind of a nothing. She's a Ripley clone. And then halfway through the movie, you don't even see her. It's not even about her anymore. Or it's just weird. Um, so I don't think, I, I, even though the aliens... Fandom is a boys club, really. It just is. I mean, there are women in, in, in involved who make their voices known, for sure. Um, but no one has a problem with Ripley because it's not about an agenda of her being equal. It's just about her being. Second part of that question um, was, do you think that that's at least an element of what it might take to make um, a, another alien movie that would bring everybody together? Not another like not another ripley clone necessarily but another character like that where just the characters is so strong that it doesn't really matter what they are otherwise absolutely i i i think i absolutely uh would say yes to that question the alien series needs someone where at the end of the movie we're like what's he he or she gonna do and i actually at this point i think that they need to not pivot to another female. I think maybe the next film could include a female in maybe two starring roles um, or co-starring roles where it's a team or husband and wife or brother and sister or something like that. Um, but it needs someone that some, it needs a characters that people can believe in and that's all people want. And so if they have characters that you can believe in, that you can believe what they're doing, you can believe what they're saying, people will be in. Um, but I think it's, again, it's, I think it's really hard to, to write those kinds of stories and tell them in a studio setting because these studios are so different and they're so scared of veering off from what's been successful in the past. That's why I think streaming is the best option um, because you'll have these studios like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu and they give the rights to them. And these studios make these films in conjunction with who maybe some representatives, but the a lot, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of these shows on these streaming services. Most of them are pretty good. They're really well made. Oh, yeah. They're really solid characters. They take the time to build like the haunting of Hill house is just amazing. It's an amazing because they take the time to build these characters up um, or like the OA or stranger things or daredevil mm-hmm. season three, which is the best version of daredevil I've ever seen. I mean, that is just Ooh. incredible season three. Um, if they could do it, they could do aliens. So right. If they did it. Speaking of doing aliens, right. Do you have a spotlight for this episode? Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the spotlight is part of the show where we show off a cool fan-related project or charity or something neat 
related to the topic and this week it's alien and that actually made it hard because loving the films that i've seen but not participating that much made it really hard to search for alien on the internet anyway (laughs) but there was one thing that i found that i uh had come across previously that i i think it's worth checking out it is called aliens the musical which you can find at youtube.com slash obscured link that i will include in the show notes Um, or you can go to the lego lambs yeah lego lambs or lego lambs youtube channel um it is a i believe it's like a three minute video or something to that effect it is done by these two folks who make amazing little mini musicals for different movies this one is about aliens uh i think it is also known as far away from lv 426 and it's uh it's a fun little mini musical about the aliens movie uh so you should check that out i'll include it in the show notes or you can look up lego lambs on youtube and i'm sure you will find it and that is the spotlight for this week's episode jamie would you like to tell us about the perfect organism podcast and any other stuff that you got uh, going on on the internet that people might like to check out yeah well um again thanks for having me on the show uh we're still in the beginning stages of 40 miles of bad road which actually that is a term that james cameron coined that he used for um when he was making the alien uh, aliens movie in, in the eighties. Um, so we thought it would be a great way to kind of label a series 40 miles of bad road, just kind of invest investigating the series, what it means to us, how it was made where we only have recorded three episodes so far of a 10 part or maybe a little bit more series. So certainly uh, go to our Facebook page uh, or podbean.com forward slash perfect organism. Check us out. Um, I also, uh, I'm the founder and the host of the only Blade Runner podcast called Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. And we are, yeah, we're about to release another episode tomorrow on the character of love. And we're working on an audio drama. We're in rehearsals for that. So we're pretty busy. Or check us out at perfect, perfect organism.com where you see blog entries and all of our episodes and that kind of a thing. All right. Oh, I do. I do actually have a small Blade Runner question for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, what is your favorite version of Blade Runner? The final cut. Final cut. Okay. Yep. What about you? I, I've seen the final cut and the first time I watched it when I was a kid, I don't know what version I saw. I think it was the director, the one without narration. So that would have been the director's cut that was released in 90, 91 or 92. I think that's what I saw first. And then I saw the final cut slightly more recently. And I don't, I lucked into getting a used copy of the, the set that has all of the versions. Yeah. I have that too. Yeah. Yeah. So have you seen 2049? Not yet. (gasps) Oh, this interview's over. (laughs) 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 Delete. (laughs) (laughs) So if, uh, if you've had to listen through through the entirety of the Perfect Organism podcast and are still hungry for more, you can always check out more Phantoplogical over at Phantoplogical.com, where each week we tackle a different um, a different fandom and interview guests in their fandom like we're doing with Jamie today. Um, if there are fandoms that you'd like to see us cover on the show, please email them to nick at the nickscast.com or just let us know what you think of the show at the same address, nick at the nickscast.com, and we'll... Uh, or read it on the air and respond to you promptly, briefly, and cordially. Um, we are the next cast all over the internet at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can find all of our, all of our shenanigans probably on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram mostly. Um, 
And uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year because Doctor Who is on right now. Um, Jodie Whittaker is the 13th Doctor in Series 11, and we are covering it over at Who in Review. You can go to whoinreview.com. We've covered all the episodes of Series 11 so far with a uh, cast rotating cast of six Doctor Who fans uh, taking apart this season. If you're a Doctor Who fan or just interested in Doctor Who and moment we start this season, go check us out. Uh, you can even start with our preview episode if you haven't watched the season yet. Over to you, Z. Thanks very much, G. And thank you, listeners, for... Well, thank you, listeners, for listening to this podcast. But uh, did you know that you could tune your intermittently working radio to uh, twitch.tv slash thenixcast to watch us record these episodes live? That's right. If you keep an eye out on twitch.tv slash thenixcast or over on that Twitter... Uh, you'll be able to find out when we will go live with these recordings and you can join us to see us, our guests, hear us and our guests, and also to join us in the chat room where you can ask us questions, throw out your own opinions, try to get us to play Fortnite, uh, you know, just about anything. But most importantly, if you join us, for, for one of these live recordings over at twitch.tv slash the Nixcast, you, you might want to jump into that chat room right around this part of the episode so you can participate in the famous last words. I can just imagine myself running down a hallway with like a, a timer counting down, except in this case, it's actually counting up. It's it's never going <laughs> to it's never going to go. Off. <laughs> That's right. It's famous last words. The part of the show where it's our chance and yours to have some infamous or famous, whichever we'll find out uh, last words about next week's topic before we have done any of the prep work. Next week, we will be talking about the fans and fandom of The Simpsons. So, to everyone here, what are your famous last words about The Simpsons? I, I can k- kick us off. I want to know. I want to know what the difference in the fandom is like between now and you know when The Simpsons began, uh, but also in the mid '90s, or as some people would say, the greatest time of The <laughs> Simpsons around oh, season yeah. five or whatever the heck the magic number is. Um, but I want to know what it's how it's different now from then. That's what I'm most curious about. Do Simpsons shit posters tend to be ah. fans of those first few seasons is my question. And they've they've run through every possible reference and iteration, so they have to turn to shit posting. What I'm wondering, uh, actually partially inspired by, by this episode, um, after hearing how much interaction there is between Fox and the Aliens fandom... Um, at this point in the Simpsons run, what kind of interaction is there between sort of like Simpsons HQ, whatever that actually might be, and the fandom? Is there any? All right, Jamie, that just leaves you. If you so choose, you can also choose not to partake. You choo choo choose me? <laughs> <laughs> Those are my famous last words. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, having wrapped that up, the only thing that remains is to say once again, thank you very much, Jamie, for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I love how, I love how much you... I love that you love it. Like, it, I smell well, and I now, I now want to watch all the movies again. Well, some of the movies <laughs> again. <laughs> Their movies are my best friends. That's true. <laughs> 
Um, as for that, as for all the Nicks, if you have uh, a catchphrase you'd like to hear me rattle off at the end of the episode instead of the stupid one they use now, please send it to g at thenickscast.com. I'll read out all the entries on the air, but until then, until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. I had a question that's on a bit of a lighter note. Last episode, we had uh, a different guest on. We had Jessica, who was talking about um, pinball. And her question... We do this thing called Famous Last Words, where we say something before doing any of the research. And Jessica, was, as a guest, was obviously not going to join us on this episode. Uh, And she had asked, if Jonesy had his own spinoff movie, what would it be about? And this is particularly relevant as we're talking about movies that are more risk averse so obviously you want to get a a really cool jive uh talking cat on the <laughs> on it's on movie no i'm i'm, I'm just being silly but An no, animated no. movie yeah i mean what what hmm. would a movie about jonesy be like <sighs> hmm maybe how ripley adopted him and how he ended up on the ship maybe they're like no you can't bring that cat <laughs> the jonesy story <laughs> Maybe he runs into the, the alien first on the Nostromo before anybody else. I can see yeah. Ripley like fighting with the officers being like, no, there's there's no rule that says we can't have a cat on this ship. Like, <laughs> I'm first officer, damn it. <laughs> Come with the cat or not at all. <laughs> Well, then we should be happy that uh, they agreed, because otherwise, who else would defend us from the horrors of space aliens? That's right. And Jonesy made it to aliens, you know? He has a big old story. What happened to him after aliens? Maybe he snuck on the Sulaco. <laughs> do, we, do we not follow that to its uh, conclusion in aliens? Yeah. The Jonesy Maybe he's story. somewhere on uh, Fiorina 161 in Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> Dead by now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh boy. <laughs>